Good morning, afternoon, or evening, wherever or whenever you are, ladies and gentlemen. This is Sports Crutch with D. Crom. I'm your host, David Cromelo, and last week I started off this program talking about the tale of two conferences that has emerged as we near the midway point of the 2019 NFL season. The NFC, it seems wide open right now, with the 49ers, Saints, Packers, Vikings, Seahawks, and perhaps the Cowboys, if held in consistency permit, as legitimate Super Bowl contenders. But in the AFC, it's pretty much the Patriots and everybody else. And that was made even more so this past week by the reigning MVP Patrick Mahomes suffering a dislocated kneecap that could keep him out for as much as six weeks. And Hal Bent, I know there's still a lot of football left to be played, but isn't it almost a virtual certainty that the Patriots will once again be representing the AFC in the Super Bowl? Well, we're going to find out in the coming weeks because I'm circling the calendar for that matchup with Baltimore. The Ravens and that offense with Lamar Jackson is unlike any other offense we've seen. And, you know, injury or not, Patrick Mahomes will be back in December, and it's hard to bet against that kind of talent. And I don't sleep on the Indianapolis Colts either. That is a balanced squad on both sides of the ball. I still think the AFC, there's some challengers to the Patriots lurking. That is a very interesting take, Hal Bet, coming from a Patriots fan nonetheless. And we're going to talk about the Indianapolis Colts and those other teams that you mentioned in just a little bit. But let's start off with our Week 7 takeaways, and I'll go first. And it's hard to believe that four weeks ago, virtually every analyst and prognosticator myself included, was calling Kirk Cousins a wasted signing for the Vikings. But fast forward to now, he's made us all look like complete idiots. The last three weeks, he has completed 75.6% of his passes for 976 yards, 10 touchdown passes, and only one interception. And he is also now tied for the league lead in yards per pass attempt. And above all, he became the only quarterback, the only quarterback in NFL history with at least three straight games of at least 300 passing yards and a quarterback rating of 130 or better. And nothing makes me happier than when players prove us wrong. So, bravo, Kirk Cousins. Keep it up, fella. Keep it up, bro. You got this, Kirk. What about you, Hal? Well, you know, I it was an interesting week here. Uh, we saw the reemergence of Aaron Rodgers. Anyone that was doubting that Green Bay passing attack earlier in the year, I think he made quite a statement last week. Um, and while we're talking about statements, uh, let's look over at Carolina. Is Kyle Allen the new Dak Prescott and Cam Newton the next Tony Romo? How do you bench a quarterback who does nothing but win in Carolina? This is getting very, very interesting as the season goes on and the wins pile up. Ooh, that is an excellent point, Hal. And uh, Matt Barr, who was on the show last week, he and I talked about this exact issue, and we both agreed that the Panthers should keep rolling with Kyle Allen as long as they keep winning. And also, Cam Newton, he's just not the same player anymore. As we saw in Week 2, the fact why they didn't quarterback sneak him at all on several fourth and shorts, that speaks volume to how far his body has declined over the years. And... Kyle Allen, I think, gives them a better chance to win than a diminished Cam Newton. I completely agree with you both, David. That is a great point. It's, you know, Cam Newton, much like um, Robert Griffin III, when he was in Washington, when the injuries piled up, that changed the way that they played quarterback in a bad way. And if I'm Carolina, I'm thinking about retooling this offense around Kyle Allen and getting out of the Cam Newton uh, big salary cap hit and be one of those teams with a cheap quarterback and able to have two or three years of some high spending on other positions around him. I would do the exact same thing, and we hope you're listening, Marty Herney, because I think that'll put the Panthers in excellent position to contend in both the short and long term. And now let's play our favorite game. It's called Truth or Exaggeration. You know how this game goes. And we start with the team you just mentioned. The Indianapolis Colts, and they should be a team that nobody, absolutely nobody, should want to play going forward. Truth or exaggeration? That's totally a truth, David. They're solid on both sides of the football. 
They've got that offensive line that is just impossible almost to penetrate. You can't get at the quarterback. They're opening holes in the running game. They're the kind of team with, you know, Frank Reich leading the charge there at head coach. They're going to outsmart you. They're going to out-tough you. They're just a matchup headache on both sides of the ball. And they haven't played their best football yet in 2019. That offense is still improving with Jacoby Brissett at quarterback. And with the injuries on the defense, they should be poised for a turnaround and look like a real dangerous team in the second half of this season. And to think of it, we were talking about the Colts finishing at last place in the division when Andrew Luck retired. Man, is there any coach that's arguably done a better job than Frank Reich this season? No, and, and really, you know, if, if you look at, you know, where Frank Reich was two years ago leading that Philadelphia offense, I'm really starting to wonder, was he the biggest loss that the Eagles have suffered since they went to the Super Bowl? Because that franchise doesn't seem to be, um, you know, dealing with the loss of Frank Reich, who may have been the mastermind behind that whole offense there in Philadelphia. I'm starting to think the exact same thing, man, and it's kind of a similar effect that after the Falcons lost Kyle Shanahan, they've gone downhill, and now it's as bad as it gets for them. And uh, the Eagles, if they're not careful, a similar fate could await uh, if they do not replace uh, Frank Reich effectively in the years ahead at offensive coordinator. And now let's talk about the Baltimore Ravens, where Lamar Jackson has a strong case for NFL MVP through the first seven weeks of the season. Truth or exaggeration? Oh, I think that's the truth. I think, you know, a lot of analysts really expected a step backwards and, you know, weren't really expecting this Greg Roman offense to to go forward like it has this year uh, with Jackson. And, I mean, they're putting up the points. They're putting up the yards. Uh, it, it started week one against Miami, and they've shown that wasn't any kind of uh, illusion or mirage uh, that offense is still putting up great numbers here going forward and um, definitely a truth there I have to say that that offense is um, and Lamar Jackson that is a legit legit deal there in Baltimore it most certainly is especially with the defense taking a step back the way Lamar Jackson has elevated this game has uh, hidden that defense quite a bit exactly yeah I mean the defense is um, we're, we, you know, I, I, Marcus Peters, I don't know if he's the answer there or not, but uh, certainly looked that way last week. So uh, if that defense starts rolling along with that, uh, you've got a legitimate contender in the AFC in Baltimore. Especially with their style of play in John Harbaugh's history, never underestimate the Baltimore Ravens in the playoffs, folks. And we go to the Chicago Bears now, where the Bears should bench. Mitchell Trubisky for Chase Daniel if Trubisky lays another egg this weekend. Truth or exaggeration? You said should instead of will. They probably should. That is is a truth. But I don't think at any time General Manager Ryan Pace is going to admit that picking Trubisky at number two and all of the assets that they gave, gave up to move up and get him was a mistake. And they will continue to keep rolling him out. I am pretty sure of that. I can't imagine that they're not going to. But were it me in that general manager or head coaching role, I would, yes, say truth. Um, You play the most effective quarterback regardless of how they landed on your roster. I couldn't agree more. And we return now to the Philadelphia Eagles who we just talked about where – Uh, Yes, they do miss Frank Reich's presence on offense, but that defense, especially that secondary, is just terrible right now. How many explosive plays are they giving up per week? Like maybe 10 a game? That's just inexcusable in the modern NFL. So the Eagles should send the Broncos their 2020 second round pick for Chris Harris Jr. Truth or exaggeration? They should send their second round pick and whatever else Denver asks for. You want a fifth and a sixth as well? Pile them on. This team is that secondary. We've been talking about it, David, I think since the preseason. 
about how that's that one Achilles heel over there on that defense that's so strong up front, and the secondary is just, you know, backing them down. And, and with Denver agreeing to trade Emmanuel Sanders, the fire sale should be on, and Philadelphia should be at the front of the line. Yes, and if uh, they lose again this Sunday against Buffalo, that could potentially accelerate a potential deal for Chris Harris Jr. going to the Eagles. And we go to the fish tank, where it will take 16 losses, not 15, 16, for the Dolphins to get the first overall pick in the 2020 NFL Draft. Truth or exaggeration? Man, you know, (laughs) I want to say that's an exaggeration, but you know, you look around the league and you say, well, well where, where are the winnable games for Cincinnati? Where are the winnable games for Washington uh, with their one win? Atlanta, is that, you know, is that a fire sale waiting to take place there as well? Could they be, you know, looking at uh, securing one of those top picks as well? So uh, oh, I'll give it an exaggeration. I think they'll still get the, the top pick at 1-15 and 15 there. It'll be interesting to see because it's kind of like uh, this season with uh, all these teams being bad. It's kind of like the bottom half of Major League Baseball this year. So many bad teams, like a 4-12 team could be picking number 7 overall this year. Exactly, yeah. You know, it, it's. I think they're looking around and they're seeing, you know, the Cleveland model and these other teams that have tanked out and, and done a complete rebuild and... Um, that seems to be the model that a lot of teams are following here this year in 2019. Yes, and if the Dolphins become good in the next uh, three to four years, Astro Ball will be the new norm in the National Football League. And, exactly. And we just spoke about the Denver Broncos, and the Denver Broncos, it's important to know uh, that in the past several years since Pat Boland stepped down from ownership due to Alzheimer's disease and he uh, – passed away uh, this summer after that long and lengthy battle. Uh, It has been in a trust occupied by his trustees that will only turn the team over to one of his children when they're deemed eligible. But if the Broncos in two years do not have a clear answer for the ownership, the NFL should force a sale of the team. Truth or exaggeration? Yeah, I, I think that's the truth. I think the NFL may have to step in in these situations. Um, you know, when the, it's something that a lot of fans don't think about, but that organizational stability, that winning starts all the way at the top. And if you look at some of these great franchises that have consistently been great, it's been when it's either the extended ownership, think of the Hunt family in Kansas City, Think of the Rooney family in Pittsburgh, where they demand that greatness year after year, and they have that consistent winning and competitiveness. The, the Cowboys with Jerry Jones, they demand that you know winning year after year. And if if it's the ownership that's invisible, if it's the ownership that that's not leading the way and pushing for the victory, it's that entire fan base and that team that pays the price on that. And if there's one thing the NFL wants, it wants competitive games, competitive teams year after year. So I think they will, yes, very much be pushing that issue there in Denver in the coming years. Oh, they most certainly should because uh, John Elway, uh, for some reason, continues to run around like a chicken with his head cut off, believing that cutting corners um, instead of rebuilding is the way back to winning. No, it is not. Could not agree more, David. He has got to either go or get clear leadership from above him. I completely agree, and that is why the Broncos ownership situation needs to be resolved within the next year or two, in my opinion, so the Broncos get that desperately needed stability that they've been lacking since uh, Pat Boland departed. And we go to their AFC West rival, the Chiefs, and this is just a hypothetical. If Patrick Mahomes is not 100% four or five weeks from now, he shouldn't risk further injury and undergo season-ending surgery in order to get healthy for 2020. Truth or exaggeration? Well, again, that's a that should be a truth, but I don't see, you know, Kansas City is a team that's uh, built 
to win right now, and that team will be pushing to get their superstar back on the field, and will be doing whatever it can t- whatever it takes because they do need him. I think we're going to see in the coming weeks. Um, Green Bay, Minnesota, Tennessee, the Chargers. Those are some tough games for the Chiefs, and if they start reeling they're going to start pushing for Mahomes to get in. So I think in that case, unfortunately, it may end up an exaggeration. We shall see. But by the way, get well suit, Patch Mahomes. Football is not the same without you. We would love to see you again this season. And now let's preview our game of the week. And do you like defense? Well, we've got a game for you here. The Carolina Panthers traveling to Santa Clara to take on the 6-0 San Francisco 49ers. And we all know how great the 49ers defense has been this season, and rightfully so. But the Panthers, they bring a similarly talented unit that should no longer be slept on. Just how good is this underrated Panthers defense, Hal? That's a very, very good defense. I'm telling you, you know, you start looking at the pieces around them. Everybody starts with Luke Keekley there in the middle. But the pieces that have been added around him, you've got Gerald McCoy on that defensive line next to Dontari Poe. You've got Shaq Thompson, who's blossoming into a, a superstar here around us. Bruce Irvin, the pass rush on the outside that that brings. And then that entire secondary with these younger players like Dante Jackson and James Bradbury, who have been so strong this year. Top to bottom, again, it's one of those defenses Good luck finding a weakness. Oh, I totally agree. Like, this game has low-scoring defensive slog written all over it, albeit in an entertaining way. (laughs) Exactly, yes. This isn't a boring defense. You know, I'm a purist at heart. You know, I I don't want to see a 54-48 to game ever. I want to see some strategy. I want to see some work in the trenches. I want to see some defense. This is my kind of game. Oh, it is my kind of game as well, especially with how both of these teams are playing right now. But uh, given the fact that the 49ers are injured at offensive tackle, they still won't have neither Joe Staley at left tackle nor Mike McGlinchey at right tackle for this game. Do you think this is a rather golden opportunity for this Panthers defense to make a pretty big statement? Oh, I think you are absolutely correct with that, David. This is, a, you know, again, if their offense can, on the flip side, generate a few points here this could be a game where that defense can take over and you know take advantage of a younger quarterback there who may not hold up under pressure and make some mistakes yep it could come down to turnovers and who has the ball longer in this game the time of possession that is and uh, the 49ers however made a much needed addition to their offense today by trading their third and fourth round picks in 2020 to Denver to get Emmanuel Sanders. Now, Emmanuel Sanders brings Jimmy Garoppolo that go-to wide receiver that he still did not have on the roster with Dante Pettis still struggling to develop and uh, Debo Samuel banged up. They needed a, a guy like Emmanuel Sanders that could get you those explosive plays, especially in games like this when you need them. But he's only going to have a couple of days to prepare for this game. So how should we expect the 49ers to utilize Emmanuel Sanders on Sunday? I mean, I think we're going to see a lot of Sanders. It's not like he hasn't been playing. Um, He's in football shape. And just having him on the field, drawing attention away from George Kittle is going to be a big plus for this offense. Um, Because as you alluded to, you know, uh, Debo Samuel, who has flashed, Dante Pettis, who looks like a solid number two or number three wide receiver, I mean, Marquise Goodwin is a stretch-the-field guy at this point of his career. I think we kind of all know what he is and what his limitations are. This offense desperately needed, you know, that security blanket for Jimmy Garoppolo. You know, line him up in the slot, line him up outside, move him all over the the offense. I think Emmanuel Sanders is going to be Garoppolo's best friend in short order. But, you know, with only a couple of days to get ready, He may be uh, George Kittle's best friend this week as a distraction on the field and to draw attention away from Kittle. 
How I see Emmanuel Sanders being utilized in this game, personally, and that is a great point of uh, him uh, being a decoy to draw attention away from George Kittle uh, in that past game, but a, a good way to use Emmanuel Sanders in this game for the 49ers, especially against that stout Carolina defensive front seven, is to uh, manufacture some touches and make some end-arounds or reverses for him like the Broncos used him in, in recent years. Yeah, that's a great point, because if you can get that defense over-pursuing, that is an aggressive Carolina defense. You get them going in the wrong direction. You get them back on their heels and, you know, open up some opportunities for Kevin Coleman there in the running game. Um, yeah, you may have something going for you there. Absolutely. The the 49ers are going to do have to do all they can to uh, unleash that running game and open it up. And what better way to do it than to give a reverse or a jet sweep to Emmanuel Sanders. And now let's talk about the matchups that are going to decide this game. And I'm obviously looking in the trenches in this game. And when it comes to the 49ers against the Panthers, uh, you got whether it's Sam Young or Daniel Brunskill starting at right tackle for them uh, this Sunday, they're going to have their hands full with Brian Burns because uh, outside of Nick Bosa, no defensive rookie has been playing better than Brian Burns. That is for sure. And you know, he has Again, we're wondering how he dropped to the middle of the pack there. And, um, again, I, I hate to bring it up again, but uh, Oakland, what were you thinking? Um, hello? Oh, just think <laughs> how much better the Raiders would be had they drafted him at four overall right now. Oh, my gosh. Oh, where he should have been taken. Oh. Y- yes. Yeah, so, I mean, that, that he is, you know, an ex- Explosive player, and, and as you alluded to, the, those problems on the offensive line for um, the 49ers as well, banged up there. There is a lot of opportunity to be very, very disruptive there and put those 49ers offense back on its heels, make them, um, you know, chase those second and third and long, and that's when you can get really creative in Carolina and really get some pressure packages. Yep, with Brian Burns at the center of those packages. And when you go to the flip side, the Panthers offensive line, uh, obviously Nick Bosa, he's my defensive rookie of the year so far, but I think Nick Bosa owes, I'm not taking away from him, Nick Bosa is a great player, he's going to be a great player in the NFL for a very long time, but I think he owes a lot of gratitude to having DeForest Buckner on his team because that guy just draws attention away from him constantly. And I would argue that he could is the lit still the linchpin for this 49ers defensive line because with how he occupies blockers all the time and, uh, dis- and disrupts quarterbacks as well and the running game too, that gives Nick Bosa infinitely more freedom than he would have had elsewhere. And uh, Matt Paradis and Trey Turner and that interior of the Panthers offensive line, if you don't slow down to Forrest Buckner, it's going to be a long day. Oh, definitely. That's a great point, David. You know, again, somebody who doesn't get as much national attention with the the lack of primetime opportunities with San Francisco the last couple of years uh, because of their record. This year, certainly standing out, uh, DeForest Buckner is one to pay attention to. And really, you can go up and down that defensive line there. I mean, that's clearly one of the strengths of the 49ers. They're throwing Nick Bosa, D. Ford, Eric Armstead, Solomon Thomas, so many pass rushers that they can uh, send after the quarterback, play after play after play. Such a deep and strong unit, uh, multifaceted. And for Bosa, perfect fit. There, it's, it's an embarrassment of, of wealth there for the 49ers on that defensive line. Yeah, talk about the, arguably the deepest unit in the NFL this year. That 49ers defensive line, eight deep, and they used all of them at last week's uh, Slop Fest in Washington, man. That was a clinic. That certainly was. That was how to shut a team down, and they're showing their versatility of, you know, we don't care what you're throwing at us. You're going to throw the ball. We're going to pressure you. You're going to try to run at us. We're going to stuff you. We've got all the parts to do all of that. And that's so much fun to see in today's offensive heavy NFL is seeing a defense that's multifaceted like that and can take control of almost any game situation. And who do you have winning this Amazing matchup on Sunday between the Panthers and 49ers in the battle of two great defenses. 
Yeah, it, it's going to be a tough one. Uh, I, I think the difference maker is going to be Christian McCaffrey here. I think he's going to be able to make just enough of the uh, big plays necessary. And we'll see Carolina in a close one take it 13-10 to 10 over San Francisco. I could see that happening. This game is a toss-up, but I just can't bet against the 49ers at home. I think they're too tough right now. It's going to be close. It's going to be low scoring, but I think the addition of Emmanuel Sanders makes the difference as uh, George Kittle gets about uh, 90 to 100 yards receiving, and that makes the difference in a 19 to 17 49ers victory. And now let's go to the fantasy football segment of our program with our favorite game, waiver wire, gem, or garbage. And we start at quarterback where Mason Rudolph, uh, who looked good before that concussion, uh, has a golden matchup this week at home against the Miami Dolphins on Monday night and a pretty good schedule going forward. So Mason Rudolph, waiver wire gem or garbage? Yeah, I, I really liked what I saw out of Mason Rudolph earlier in the year before those, you know, before the injury there. So I, I definitely have him as a gem. I think, you know, the Steelers are, are going to pick up a lot of W's here as the season goes on and, and get back, um, you know, crawl out of this two and four hole here and, and should be up to close to eight or nine wins behind him. So, Yes, definitely a gem. I think the only thing I would worry about this week is, you know, do they turn to the running game if they're so far ahead so early in, against Miami? That's a good point. And Emmanuel Sanders is no longer in Denver. That means a golden opportunity for Deshaun Hamilton, the second-year receiver out of Penn State. Waiver wire gem or garbage? Yeah, it, it's a great opportunity. He should be being fed the ball. I'm a little hesitant on pulling the trigger right now. I don't think he's, you know, yes, he hasn't had as much of the opportunity as necessary, but again, it is Joe Flacco throwing the football as well. So, uh, you know, for Emmanuel Sanders to be as productive as he has been with that uh, turnover at quarterback uh, in Denver over the past few years, uh, that's not normal anywhere else in the NFL. <laughs> It's you know, not. wide receivers just don't continue to keep producing unless there's somebody like Emmanuel Sanders. So at this time, I, I, I can't give him the gem rating quite yet, but, but I'll reserve the right to change my mind in a few weeks. We shall see. And speaking of wide receivers getting traded, your New England Patriots today acquired Mohamed Sanu from the Atlanta Falcons. Is he a waiver wire gem or garbage? Oh, I think Sanu is definitely a gem. I the Patriots are desperate for help at wide receiver. Um, we saw two weeks ago they played the whole second half. They only had three healthy wide receivers. Two of them were undrafted rookie free agents. I think Sadu is a, a perfect fit for this offense. He steps right into the role that Danny Amendola vacated a few years ago. He should get more playing time than him. He's looking at that Chris Hogan Danny Amendola role, so he should be good for seven or eight targets a week. And the best thing about Sanu is that size in the red zone and these touchdowns that the New England Patriots running backs have been piling up over these past few weeks. We may start seeing the Patriots being able to throw the ball more near the end zone and Sanu starting to pile up some touchdowns. Yep, I'll have my eyes on Mohamed Sanu in several of my leagues. And now we go to Detroit, where Carrion Johnson underwent a procedure on his knee this morning, which landed him on IR, and that potentially needs a golden opportunity for Ty Johnson, who's looked pretty good in limited touches. Waiver wire gem or garbage with Ty Johnson in Detroit? Yeah, I, I like the idea of Ty Johnson. You know, Carrion Johnson is, is such an exciting back, and you hate to see him missing this opportunity as the lead back. Uh, I don't see C.J. Uh, Anderson jumping over him and taking the majority of the carries there. Uh, C.J. Anderson's no longer on the Lions. He's no longer on the Lions. Sorry, he's gone completely. That's right. Um, what was I thinking? McKissick is the bail the back up there. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I don't see McKissick taking over that role ahead of Johnson. Uh, with that offensive line that's been rebuilt in Detroit, they're going to continue to keep running the football. There's no doubt about that. Uh, Ty Johnson, definitely waiver-wire gem. 
And we go to the tight end position where this guy has been an emerging stud in recent weeks. Vikings rookie tight end Irv Smith Jr. Kirk Cousins was looking for him religiously last week. Waiver wire gem or garbage? Yeah, I think he's a gem. I think he's established in there. Um, We've seen, as you talked about earlier in the show with Kirk Cousins, the resurgence of him. And part of that is you've got to give Kirk Cousins those easy reads. And Irv Smith seems to have uh, stepped into that role of being able to get that separation and uh, nudging ahead of Kyle Rudolph there as the future of that tight end position and the first player that uh, Cousins is looking for when he needs to get the ball out of his hands in a hurry. So Irv Smith, I see nothing but uh, bright skies up ahead for the rest of 2019. Definitely a gem. And especially this week with Adam Thielen not looking likely to play with that hamstring injury, Irv Smith could be the number two guy in the passing attack behind only Stephon Diggs against Washington on Thursday night. Exactly. And a defense that you wouldn't mind uh, piling up some points against. There should be opportunities for Irv. Oh, there absolutely should. And we stay with NFC North tight ends where we're seeing a quiet resurgence from Jimmy Graham. Everybody called him washed after last season. He's showing he still has plenty left of the tank. Waiver wire, gem or garbage, Jimmy Graham. That's a tough one because, you know, uh, you know, I've bought into Jimmy Graham on a couple of my teams in the past few years, and I, I, I've still got a little buyer's remorse there. There's still a little uh, uh, hesitancy to pull the trigger there. You know, in this offensive system, he should be a gem. Uh I, I just can't bring myself to pull the trigger. I, I, I'm wondering if this is just an, a, a temporary illusion and there's going to be that high ankle sprain or something with Jimmy Graham and all of a sudden he's gone as quick as he came. Uh, I think he may end up being garbage. Uh, that is a fair point, especially with some uh, younger tight ends like Robert Tanyan um, starting to emerge on that roster. Uh, and Aaron Rodgers appears to like him a lot as well. And now let's predict the rest of these games in Week 8, starting on Thursday night where the lowly Redskins travel to Minnesota to take out Kirk Cousins of the Red Hot Vikings. A little bit of a revenge game. Kirk Cousins against his former team at Case Keenum, facing the team that let him go so they could get Kirk Cousins. And... Uh, I don't think this game is going to be close at all. Uh, just a, a Mets mismatch all across the board. Vikings are going to win, and not just win, they're going to win handily, and they're going to blow the doors off the place by a final score of 52-17. to 17. How do they get to 52 points? Ooh. Find out in my bowl prediction. Oh, I like it, Dave. You know, I, I just have a little trepidation. Minnesota, short week, and you think back to last year with that uh, with Buffalo and the Josh Allen game where they shocked everyone and blew out Minnesota. But I, I just don't see that happening this week against Washington. I've got Minnesota winning handily. I've got it 30-13. to 13. Yes, plus this Redskins team is nowhere near as talented as last year's Bills team. Not even close. And now we stay in the NFC North where we have what I call the massive disappointment bowl. Two of the biggest disappointments in the league this year based on preseason hype. The 2-5 and five Los Angeles Chargers traveling to Chicago to take on the Reeling Bears. Ugh, I do not know who to pick in this game. I don't know who to trust. Like, can you? Re- I don't trust this Bears offense, but at the same time, I don't trust the Chargers uh, to win a game. They've been losing in quintessential Chargers fashion uh, in recent weeks. Yeah, it, it's unbelievable that, you know, just a few months ago, we were talking about these two teams heading into the playoffs and saying, boy, both of these teams could, could make a run to the Super Bowl. The Bears have the defense, the Chargers have the balance, and all of a sudden this year, it's just been implosion city. The, the Chargers are doing Charger things again, and Mitchell Trubisky can't get out of his own way. And, you know, when a team starts losing – confidence in the quarterback and now you start worrying about is it you know the, the locker room divides offense against the defense this one's not pulling their weight that could be a really ugly situation in short order here oh it most certainly can and today uh, it was reported the bears had a player only needing and principal kamara their uh one of their cornerbacks uh said that uh oh if this was offensive defense offense versus defense we, we would have had the meeting months ago 
That comment only makes it look worse. My goodness. Dysfunction Junction, what's your function? Oh, my God. That's all explained in my head. Oh, my God. For my two favorite teams, the Broncos and Bears, Dysfunction Junction has been the name of the game this season. And uh, the Chargers and Bears, uh, this is a flipper coin game. It's going to be ugly. It's going to be low scoring. But I just am going to have to go with the Chargers, given the massive discrepancy quarterback. You think Phillip Rivers against Ryan Tannehill was a discrepancy? Phillip Rivers against Mr. Trubisky is an even bigger discrepancy. Chargers win in an ugly 16-13 game. Yeah, I've got the coin flip, but mine came up, came up tails. So I'm going to go with the home team and say Chicago somehow eked it out behind that defense 20-17 to 17 over the Chargers. The Detroit Lions, after two rough losses in a row, uh, gets a much-needed medicine against the New York Giants and that defense, uh, that awful New York Giants defense, that is, and Steely Dan is definitely not reeling the years that he definitely won't be for at least another week. I like this Lions defense to uh, have a much better showing this week, and they win a rather comfortable 27-14 game. Yeah, I, I'm in the same ballpark as well. I, I don't think the Giants are going to be able to do as much uh, as they'd like against this Detroit. I, You know, Detroit's really for... A team that's under 500, they've been pretty impressive this year. So I get them back to 500 with a 20-13 to 13 win over the Giants. And the Buffalo Bills, those Buffalo Bills that the New England Patriots might not be able to sleep on, dare I say, because of that defense and the way they played the Patriots a couple weeks ago. Um they host the Philadelphia Eagles, and this is a desperation game for the Eagles because if the Eagles lose this game, it could foreshadow a premature end to their season when all is set and done. And yes, uh, Josh Allen is up and down, as you'd expect. I just can't go against this Bills defense at home. I just can't. And the Eagles are just struggling right now. And without Deshaun Jackson... That holds that offense back significantly, man. It's amazing how much Deshaun Jackson has, has meant to that offense so far with his absence and his presence in week one, obviously, but his absence has been weighing on them dramatically. This game is going to be pretty close, but at the end, I just trust the Bills to make more of the big plays than the Eagles right now. 23-20, Buffalo. Yeah, I, I, I'm with you on that, David. It might be a little bit more low scoring in my prediction, but... I think the Bills have got this game pretty well in hand uh, behind that defense, and I just don't know what to expect out of the Eagles anymore. So Buffalo 19, Philadelphia 13 is how I have it. And we move on to Indianapolis, where the Colts have another mismatch on their hands, a mismatch in their favor, that is, as they host the Denver Broncos, who, by trading away Emmanuel Sanders, and uh, still it talks about dealing Chris Harris Jr., this is a team already looking ahead to 2020, and the Indianapolis Colts are in first place after that impressive win over the Houston Texans last Sunday, and it's going to stay that way. This is a mismatch. That Colts offensive line against that depleted Broncos defensive front, not a chance. Colts 27, Broncos 6. Yeah, I've got it pretty close to that as well, David. Indianapolis 24, Denver 10. I'll, I'll give them a little uh, garbage time touchdown at the end. Yeah, so we're pretty simpatical there, so we'll sound the alert. Boop, 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 boop. That's excellent, our simpatical alert. And uh, this would have been the battle of first-round quarterback busts. But if you consider Ryan Tannehill a bust, it still is. But Jameis Winston will not be facing off against his fellow 2015 first-round bust, Marcus Mariota. It'll be Jameis against Ryan Tannehill. Uh, this one is a pretty tough game to pick because uh, with a Bruce Arians coach team, you just cannot count, count on a Bruce Arians coach team at all. Um, and the Titans, given how inconsistent they've been all year, this is very, very tough. Uh, I can see it going both ways, but... Get, just knowing how the Titans have been this year with the constant up and down that has been their season, I just still can't trust them, even against a team that is uh, supposedly uh, inferior in talent to them. But I just think the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are going to steal one 20-16 in Tennessee. You know, I, I wanted to go with Tampa Bay in this matchup as well, but some, I, you know, 
playing at home. I'm going to give Tennessee just a little bit of an edge, but I agree with you. These are two of the most inconsistent teams in the NFL this season, and, and I, I really could see it go either way. I have it down at Tennessee 23-20 to 20 over Tampa Bay. Yeah, it's going to be interesting, but that Titans defense, uh, that it's amazing how great of a defense the Titans are wasting away. And now they got Jeffrey Simmons, their first round pick, coming in and already balling out. Exactly. Ugh, it's, it's so much talent on that defense and just so much inconsistency on the other side of the ball. Totally. Titans aren't the only team wasting a very good defense uh, this season. And Sam Darnold, after that horrendous nightmarish performance against the best defense in the NFL in your Patriots, it doesn't get that much easier as they travel to Duval to take on the Jaguars and that scary, scary defensive front. And I love Sam Darnold. I think he's going to be a great player this league for years to come, but I don't think he gets that much better this week against Jacksonville. That Jets offensive line is absolutely terrible. I think the Jaguars' offense defense does just enough to rattle him, and the Fu Manchu and Leonard Fournette get enough points on the board to win a 23-20 game. Yeah, I, I think Sam Darnold is uh, going to need a week or two to recover from that performance on Monday night. My goodness, that was a scarring, to put it nicely. Um, I think Jacksonville, at this point, is a better team than the Jets as well, and the Jets may be caught looking backwards a little bit and trying to figure out what went wrong instead of looking ahead and how to get things right. So I have Jacksonville winning handily over the Jets, 27-10. to 10. And across the pond in London at Wembley, the Rams host the Cincinnati Bagels at Zach Taylor versus Sean McVay, uh, pupil versus teacher. Teacher wins rather comfortably, 27-10. to 10. Yeah, you know, I love to say that the strange things always happen in Wembley in the NFL every year. Um, no, I'm not. Go- My bold prediction is not bold enough to put Cincinnati in the win column against the Rams here. I've got an easy win for the Rams, 34-13 uh, to 13 over the Bengals. Don't look now, but the Arizona Cardinals have won three straight, but they traveled to New Orleans to take on arguably the best team in the NFC in the New Orleans Saints. Man, we talk about Frank Wright being coached here, and rightfully so. Sean Payton just keeping that team rolling after Drew Brees' injury. And whether or not Drew Brees comes back this week or not, the Arizona Cardinals, as much talented promise as Kyler Murray has, uh, keep in mind, their last three games were against three of the worst teams in the NFL. They beat the Bengals, the Falcons, and the Giants, three of the worst teams in the league. They come back to reality this week. New Orleans Saints win it rather easily, 31-20. to You know, I... I can see that happening, David, but, you know, I, I, I might have a little belief here growing stronger and stronger with Kyla Murray and Chase Edmonds as well. Uh, I've got my upset special with Arizona pulling out the huge upset over New Orleans with a 23-20 to 20 win. Ooh, that is a very, very bold upset special, my friend. And the Seattle Seahawks, after that awful loss against the Ravens, they got some much-needed medicine traveling to Atlanta to take out the dumpster fire that is the Falcons. It is a get-well week for the Seahawks offense, 35-13. to Yep, this is going to be a pretty easy one for them. I, I think, um, I don't see it quite as high scoring, but 27-16, to a skate for Seattle uh, in Atlanta. I was very excited about this game when the schedule came out. I'm not so excited about it right now. The Cleveland Browns traveling to Foxborough to take on the best defense of the NFL and the Patriots. Uh, yes, uh, the Browns schedule gets a little bit easier after this game, but it's going to get worse before it gets better. I think uh, Bill Belichick forces Baker Mayfield into several interceptions. Patriots win one running away 31-17. to yeah, I always considered, you know, Sam Darnold and Mayfield as, you know, the two brightest bright spots of that uh, the fantastic draft as the two best the young quarterbacks coming in. And after what the Patriots did to Darnold, I would be very afraid if I was Baker Mayfield. I think New England has a pretty easy time of it as well with a 24-10 to win over Cleveland. 
Now, this game could have the most playoff implications out of all of them this week. The Oakland Raiders, who, if it weren't for a careless mistake by Derek Carr, they could have won in Lambeau last week. They traveled to Houston to take out the Texas. Don't mean to take anything away from Aaron Rodgers, but had Derek Carr just not carelessly extended the ball on that play, it would have been a much closer game in Green Bay than it was. The Raiders are playing some great football right now, and they now face a Texans team that is is in desperation mode after falling out of first place with that awful showing, especially on defense against the Colts. And yes, they acquired Gary and Conley from the Raiders this week, but I don't think it solves their woes at corner and and in in past defense in particular. And this Raiders pass offense is quietly emerging as one of the league's scariest. They might have the league's best tight end duo with Darren Waller. Oh my God, what a story! And what oh, a fantasy yeah. football steal by yours truly and many others. What a fine and what a story, Jared Waller. And Foster Moreau, he could be a top 10 two-way tight end in this league very soon. I think Derek Carr, that run game, and those two tight ends just take it to the Texans. And this is my upset pick of the week for the third um uh, third time in four weeks. I'm taking the Raiders as my upset special, 24-23. Oh, I like it, David. I can see that. You are correct. They, they, they've been so close, the Raiders, to, to pulling you off a couple of these upsets. And I really wanted to go with you on this one as well, but I've got Houston edging them out in a very close game and a strong performance from the Raiders. But Houston, 27-24 over Oakland. I was so excited about this game last week, but I am not excited about it now. The Packers traveling to Arrowhead to take on the Chiefs. Yes, uh, Aaron Rodgers has struggled in previous trips to Arrowhead, but that Chiefs defensive performance was more a reflection of how bad the Broncos are on offense than how good they are on defense. I think that running game with Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams just eats all night long against the Chiefs and Aaron Rodgers pokes holes in that secondary. I don't think the Chiefs have a chance in this game. I think the Packers win a rather easy 31-14 game over the Chiefs without Patrick Mahomes. Uh, Where's some Patico again, David, here? Uh, I'm thinking the same thing. I have just the uh, Green Bay with one more touchdown, 38-17 to 17 over the Chiefs, and uh, I don't believe in that Chiefs defense, uh, no matter what they did against the Broncos last week. And I worry about uh, how they'll stay afloat without Patrick Mahomes. I worried as well, and they cannot sleep on the Raiders. They just cannot. And the Miami Dolphins, the fish tank on Monday night, traveling to Steel City to take on the Steelers. The Steelers, as I I expected them to beat the Chargers a couple weeks ago, I just love that defense of theirs, especially that front and that young back end with Devin Bush and Mika Fitzpatrick. Uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick, uh, he showed some promise uh, last week against the Buffalo defense, but I don't see the Dolphins getting lucky two weeks in a row. I think this game is going to be much more one-sided because it's an out-of-division game, and the Pittsburgh Steelers win a rather easy one, uh, 27-6. I agree there, David, as well. I think Miami will put up a good fight, um, might even keep it close for the first half, but Pittsburgh pulls away with a fairly easy 20-13 to win over the Dolphins. And now it's time for our bold predictions, and I'll go first. Kirk Cousins, in the revenge game against Daniel Snyder and the Washington Redskins, will throw for 400 yards, zero interceptions, and tie the NFL record for touchdowns in a game with seven. So seven touchdowns, 400 yards, and no picks for Kirk Cousins in his revenge game against the Skins. That is bold, David. Wow, I like that. What you got, partner? I don't know if I can match that one. (laughs) (laughs) Following up on my upset special with Arizona over New Orleans, I think if there's one weakness that we've seen out of New Orleans here this year. Um, beginning of the season, we saw the Texans, we saw the Seahawks, we saw the Rams in the only loss New Orleans had run the football effectively against them. And the Bears didn't even try last week. Pathetic. I think Arizona is smarter than that. I think we're going to see Chase Edmonds get close to oh, look, This is bold. Let's give it to him. 200 yards on the ground, a couple of rushing touchdowns, 
between him and Kyler Murray running all over. The Saints are going defense is going to have the tongue hanging out of their mouth, and that's what drives Arizona to that upset win. Chase Edmonds, the rookie, does it again. Wow, and for the record, Chase Edmonds is in his second season, not his rookie season. Oh, well, he's like a rookie. <laughs> he kind of is, you're right, and he is very quickly putting David Johnson out of work in Arizona. And now for our challenge flags. Why don't you go first, Hal? What is your challenge flag for Week 8? Well, mine's, uh, we kind of touched on it already. This is going out to Andy Reid. He's got to circle the wagons there in Kansas City, uh, Patrick Mahomes. Yes, he is the most talented quarterback in the NFL. There is no doubt about it. But, you know, you brought this team to the playoffs. Before you had Patrick Mahomes with Alex Smith, you need to get this team right in a hurry because this is a tough stretch coming up. Green Bay, Minnesota, the Tennessee defense, and, well, who knows what you're going to get out of the Chargers when you travel to Los Angeles. But that's on paper, four tough teams, and as you alluded to, the Raiders are coming strong at their heels, and if Andy Reid does not circle the wagons and the Chiefs lay an egg on defense as they've been doing consistently this year, they could be looking at losing four games and being under 500 when Patrick Mahomes comes back. Say it ain't so, Andy Reid. The challenge flag is to you. At least tread water at 2-2 two and two in these next four games and try to hold off the Raiders who are coming strong behind you. That is a very good challenge flag, Hal, and my challenge flag goes to the Seattle Seahawks. Be more aggressive on offense and unleash Russell Wilson where you need him the most. Like, your kicker is struggling. You had a 4-3 at the beginning of the third quarter, well into Baltimore territory. Why did you go for the first down? Why did you put the game into the hands of your arguably the league's MVP so far this year, and instead of trusting your kicker to make a field goal that he hasn't, that you can't trust him to make right now. That was coaching malpractice at, it, at its worst, and it wound up being the turning point in that game. So Seattle Seahawks, do not make the same mistake twice. Be more aggressive and feed Russell Wilson when you need him the most. And thank you very much, Hal Betts. You can follow him on Twitter at HalBetso1. You can catch his work at FullPressCoverage.com, or if you're a Patriots fan, at MusketFire.com. That's it for today here on Sports Crush, but we'll be back next week to preview Week 9 of the 2019 NFL season, so stay tuned. But in the meantime, be sure to check out the episode archive as well as my blog at SportsCrush.com, and remember, that's Crutch with a K. And if you enjoy these podcast episodes, please consider leaving us an iTunes review and donating to our Patreon at Patreon.com slash SportsCrunch so we can improve our iTunes ranking and afford to produce even more shows with awesome guests like Hal. You can also follow me on Instagram and Twitter at dcrom 59 For Hal Bet, this is David Cromwell saying so long, and as always, stay awesome.